right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. It is a dark, dark, dark day in the world of golf. Uh, DJ Pie is here to lament the end of fun in golf. Uh, hello, Pie Man. Hey guys, uh, happy to be with you here as as our days in the game wind down. No, I'm I'm pumped to talk about it. We got a big meaty topic to dive into today. Uh, happy to be with you guys. Tron Carter is here. Hello, TC. How are you? Hey guys, I'm good. I assume we're talking about the big spectacular blockbuster trade yesterday between the I was going to throw it to, to you to do that first. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure I'm in the right okay. place here. You're yeah, in the Carlos, right place. Carlos Ortiz for David Puig. Let's not give that short change here. Let's breeze past the other topic here. This episode is brought to you by our friends. Of course, at Titleist, the rollback is bad. Uh, we hate everything about it. And uh, that is the end. That's all we're going to talk about a distance on this. Uh, no, we're kidding. Of course, we wanted to uh, get uh, give another shout out as well to Titleist uh, and acknowledge their their steadfast belief that we should be having our distance conversations freely, even if their opinions are different, uh, you know, than, than their opinions might be. Uh, they've been extremely true to their word on that. And honestly, they've just been a delight to work through, work with through this entire process. They've been very informative. They've been very helpful. It has definitely helped in in a proper way, helped like shape my view, solidify some things, help, you know, kind of back off on a few things that I've just been a little bit inaccurate on. So I just wanted to give them a, a huge shout out. Uh, they did not release a statement today to, to my knowledge, but I think you can go to their website and find all their public communications, titles.com slash uh, titles response distance insights with dashes in between all of those words uh, for all of their uh, positions on the topic. But again, I wanted to thank them for their uh, for their you know holding up their end of the bargain as far as letting us have our conversations on distance, uh, even if our opinions are different. There's no group that makes me uh, like understand this topic better when I you know it's very easy to sit on your you know sit on your couch or sit in your computer, sit in your basement, whatever, and just huck. Well, obviously they should do this, right? And then you start talking to like people who are very like way smarter than you people who actually make the golf balls people who actually like test them understand how they fly and do the testing and know what the limits are I'm like well obviously i mean they could just do this right no dude no that's <laughs> not how physics works what are you talking about like that a lot of those conversations have been very uh well appreciated and i think have maybe not necessarily changed you know from a one or zero rollback no rollback perspective i don't know that they've totally changed any of our our minds specifically, but they've added a lot of nuance to it. And I think maybe for better or worse, help me understand just how complicated and complex this whole, this whole topic is. So that's, that's where I sit you, uh, sit before you today as is, is one of those people that is, is confused, but, uh, ready to talk about it. A lot to discuss. Uh, why don't we get into first what was released today? Uh, the announcement from the USGA and RNA. Um, they will be updating their testing conditions that they use for golf ball conformance under the overall distance standard. Uh, this will take effect January 2028. So we've got some time before this comes into effect. Uh, so their decision aims to reduce the impact increased hitting distances have on golf's long term sustainability while minimizing the impact on the recreational game. 
in the nuts and bolts and the nerdy part of it, uh, the revised ball testing conditions will now be 125 mile an hour club head speed, which is equivalent to 183 miles an hour of ball speed, a spin rate of 2200 RPM and a launch angle of 11 degrees. Uh, the current conditions, which they said were established 20 years ago, are 120 miles an hour, which is 176 mile an hour ball uh, speed, 2520 RPM with a 10 degree launched angle. They said their revised conditions are based on analysis of data from worldwide tours and the game over several years and are intended to ensure that the overall distance standard, whose limit will remain unchanged at 317 yards with a three-yard tolerance, continues to represent the ability of the game's longest hitters. Analysis of ball speeds of, among golf's longest hitters in 2023 shows the fastest 10 players had an average ball speed of 186 miles an hour, while the average ball speed of the fastest 25 was 183.4, while the very fastest averaged 190 miles per hour. Lastly, the longest hitters are expected to see a reduction of as much as 13 to 15 yards in driving distance, Average professional tour and elite male players are expected to see a reduction of nine to 11 yards with a five to seven yard reduction for an average LET or LPGA player. Uh, they also will go on to say as expected for the average male amateur player who swings at an average of 92 miles an hour, expect a difference in distance of five yards or less. And that's with driver. That is with driver. That is with driver. So going back to... You know, we had some major discussions around this when the uh, USGA and RNA proposed a model local rule, which was a proposal to bifurcate the professional game from the amateur game. Uh, this model local rule was rejected by the PGA Tour, rejected by the PGA of America, uh, rejected by a lot of equipment companies saying that they preferred to unify the game, that players, part of what makes the game beautiful is that, uh, you know, amateurs can play the, the same equipment as the pros. Uh, they took turned that around, took that and said, okay, well, now we will be rolling this back uh, for everyone. Deej, what's your what's your overall reaction to, uh, to the news we found out today, which we kind of knew, have known in the last week or two, but uh, it's now officially out there and all the USGA and RNA communications are out there as well. A uh, lot of reactions, a lot of reactions. I, I TC a lot of different directions we could go with this. Uh, I'll just pick a couple here. I, I think the more I think about it and sit with it, the more it feels like it's kind of a no win situation for the governing bodies, right? I, I feel like they're kind of left in this situation where you either do nothing, which they've made pretty clear is not their intended, uh, their intended path that they want to go down, which they've been doing for the last 20 years <laughs> and which they have been doing a great job of for the last <laughs> for the last you know 20 years either you do nothing you do something that is you know watered down uh so much that you're not going to get you know really much of like a nuclear reaction from too many stakeholders or you do something that pushes it to the limit or the level that they probably would have liked and then you really piss off everybody and you end up losing probably a lot more credibility and public goodwill and all of those things and so where I think we find ourselves today is probably somewhere somewhere in that middle, right? I mean, Mike Wan talked about this a lot on Golf Channel today in, in both appearances he made where he's going to go back and he's going to have a thousand emails from people who hate it and a thousand emails from people who said, I can't believe you didn't go farther. Uh, I think that's pretty accurate. And I think it all kind of comes back to probably a lot of the stuff I said after the the MLR was announced, which is it's kind of a Rorschach test for how you feel about governance. Right, because I I am not a data scientist. I'm not really the kind of person who's going to go in and break apart their methodology of all their studies and all the data and how it was collected and you know all these like micro examples that people love to to look at on Twitter. I think I'm I'm trying to be much more in the camp of 
the governing bodies are there to govern. They're there to make the impartial decisions that people are not going to make for themselves, uh, unpopular as they may be. And if if at the end of the day, the the only question that really matters is, do those guys think that there's a problem? Yes or no. And if there is, which they have said that there is, then we got to figure out a way to fix it. And I feel like the way they've gone about fixing it is a very, very long process. It is it is now, you know, we're now into almost year, what, six of this since really they re- they started the Distance Insights Report in 2018. Obviously, it's they've been prepping for this conversation even before that, probably all the way back to 2011. Uh, TC, I know you're going to get into the Vancouver Protocols later. We're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about those. Uh, which are sick. You know, if, if you want to look at this and say like, oh my God, this is reactionary. I can't believe they're, you know, they're flying off the handle. They're taking a couple of years worth of data and they're like, they're making. Why now? You know, Why a mountain now? Into a molehill mole into a mountain. It's just, it, it, that's not what's going on, man. This is such a long process. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, I, I got to trust that they're going through their paces because man, this seems like the last thing that they would want to do. <laughs> Like, I think it would just be so much easier if you're the USGA to just keep going and like keep smiling. And, you know, in order to do something like this, they they must really think that there's a massive problem. And I think you got to kind of take them at their word on that. TC, what am I what am I what did I miss? Oh, I agree. I think it's it's certainly easier said than done. There's a lot of downstream effects that I'm sure they're not even aware of or, or can't even formulate yet. I think a lot of people are treating this as if it happens in a vacuum as well. Like it's all. Relative, I don't think they're out to make the game harder. I think you know it's it's not how it's, like it's not about like the scores. I don't think like oh scores are too low. It's about like how people are shooting those scores, right? And you know I, I think they'd like to see people use their mid irons a little bit more instead of using their their. Uh, you know, but but like I think it's it's not just about distance either, right? It's about it seems like everything's kind of out of proportion. I think kind of bringing everything back into proportion, using this as something, I think hopefully it's the opening salvo in what's a multi-step process with, that includes driver heads, that includes, you know, kind of hot faces, all that stuff um, where, you know, I think the ball gets demonized a lot, but this is also one one thing that you can do that that affects everybody versus, you know, forcing people to go out and buy new drivers. I thought... Uh, <laughs> I was texting with a friend. Uh, he was he went back and listened to Michael Breed's podcast when he had uh, Jason Gore on, and Breed was bitching about. He said, "Just think about all the jobs that exist where people are going to go get secondhand golf balls, and all the people that have businesses where they dive into ponds and lakes and all kinds of things all over the place and recover all these golf balls and then use those balls for reselling purposes. That's a huge business, huge. You're going to shut all those down. And what about the kids that are playing?" They're trying to compete at the AJGA level. They don't have the financial wherewithal. They go and buy golf balls all the time. They go into the woods and they find a golf ball. I mean, I played a lot of golf with not buying balls for an extended period of time. Like, I don't think kids that are playing in the AJGA where I think they have like the one ball rule are, you know, are going and like, like, like all the, like, this isn't going to happen to like 2028 either. Like for do pros, people, for yeah, amateurs, yeah. it's 2030 is when so this like, are, like, do people have like a stockpile of golf balls that's like, you know, thousands of balls, like a pallet of balls just sitting in their garage or their basement. Like they're, I think the USGA is being inordinately fair here of both communicating with all the stakeholders, like, you know, communicating, saying, all right, you know what? Like bifurcation's off the table. We we listen to you guys there. Or like the tours statement that they put out, they were bitching about 
the process and how it goes against the Vancouver. Like it, this has been like a five year thing. And you're saying now that you didn't have enough of a say or that they're not listening to you or, or they're misrepresenting shot link data. It's crazy. Uh, you're you're going to get me all riled up. You guys drive the ship. <laughs> A lot of different ways I, I, we could go with that response. I want to pick up pick up one of the things you said there because that that was truly an equal takeaway from everything I said about governance is just how dispropor- like disproportionate the like anger and vitriol is on something where like why just if you if you could like sit down some of these people and just ask them like a therapist just like why are you so angry? <laughs> well, because in you know I'm gonna lose five to seven yards in 2030 and it's fucking bullshit <laughs> i can't believe that they're doing this to me which listen it, hand up i'm one of those people in a lot of other phases of areas of my life but i'm trying to take a level head here i've read the distance insights reports like like if it pisses you off that much at least read it at least sure. educate yourself at least know what the issues at hand are well here. Look, look zooming out on this though I, I, I surveyed the audience just to say like, Hey, if you are anti rollback, like what is your single issue voting? If this it's causing you to vote this way, like what is the one reason why got like 700 responses to it? Got a lot of them. And you know, just to pull a sample of them, Swiss Danny 67, he said, because the problem in 99.5% of the amateur game is lack of distance from the tees they play. If this is pushed through. I think there'll be bifurcation along the lines of conforming versus juice ball players. Um, and then, uh, Jay, P- Jay Picoro 10 said, Juice ball. <laughs> he, he's a religious follower. He's like, I can see both sides. I think the, the reason this is hard to agree on is 99% or more of individuals do not directly experience the distance problem in their rounds. They just don't see distance as a problem. And I think that last part is like worth diving in on, right? And that if you play golf normally and you do not hit the ball far, it is very reasonable to conclude that there is not a distance problem in golf because you are not experiencing it, right? Like if you do not see the effect on you, I can see how you can reach that conclusion, right? And like in a vacuum, do I want my like best struck drives to go a shorter distance? Like a binary question? No, like I clearly not. Like I try to play the golf ball that legally goes as far as, as possible, right? Like that's, we all do, right? You don't, I mean, I'll survey you guys. Do you guys want your best in a total vacuum, do you want your best struck drive to go eight yards shorter than it does? I mean, listen, it's impossible to uh, be impartial about that question. Of course, it's fun to hit it far, right? It is. And that's what's interesting about this, I think, now, too, is I truly am hitting the ball farther than I ever have in my whole life. A lot of that is not a lot of it. All of it is equipment related. I got fit for new equipment this year. I got fully like and it's, it's fully it's fitted, using the optimized that you're, different golf ball. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's it. and yeah. it's super fun. It's super fun. TC, I was driving it past you at Pinehurst a couple a couple weeks ago. You were that's a blast. That's a blast to to do. And so I, I fully fully get the if you are not you know sitting down reading the distance insights report. And this is kind of where I get back to you at the beginning. You know what I was saying at the beginning is it, the onus shouldn't. In in a way, the onus shouldn't be on just a hundred million golfers to go like, no, 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 like go read the distance insights report, go read our reaction, go listen to all the back and forth, and then maybe you'll understand, you know, the the big picture. Like I get why well, of course people aren't gonna do that. And so of course, in a low context like gut reaction world, I a hundred percent understand people being massively pissed off about this. And I think there's gonna be a lot of people 
that feel that way, probably the majority of people that feel that way, which is an interesting conversation in and itself, right? Is like, it, is that disqualifying to making a change like this? I, I would say no, right? I mean, I don't think people like seeing calories listed next to their fast food <laughs> orders either but like ultimately that's probably a good thing right <laughs> dj's like bloomberg he's trying to get the uh trying to get the city to stop drinking sugary it, drinks yeah it like, to sell I, those big gulps yeah i don't know that i would vote for for listing those calories next to the my mcdonald's order but like I, unfortunately it's probably better for me that someone did and i think that's kind of where I, I keep coming back to on this stuff is i fully understand why people are pissed and I, I'm not even going to try to change their mind. Like, it's very fun to hit it far. But, uh, you know, the decision kind of is not in that. It's not a democratic system, right? It's There's a governing body in place for a reason. And it's not like we've been hitting it. Like, it's not like we woke up one day and it's like, oh, I'm hitting it 20 yards farther than I did yesterday. It's It's been this incremental creep for the last 30 years, right? And, yeah. or, you know, 28 years. And so it's... Something where it's like, yeah, if it's if it's bits and pieces here and there, there's not really a right or wrong time to do it, right? And then I think what cracked me up, like I said this on the pod on Sunday, but like like when when a guy like Ricky Fowler is like, well, they should have done this 20 years ago. Why now? It's like, well, you know what, man, they didn't. And <laughs> yeah, right. So does what that do do mean now? that like so like so they should have done it then? That means that they shouldn't do it now. Like if anything, <laughs> it's just contradictory, right? Where I think I don't, I, I tend to sway a little bit from what you said there on on the reaction being reasonable there, DJ, is ultimately with not, this, not reasonable, not well, reasonable, understandable, understandable. Okay, uh, I guess I do understand it, but at the same time, like what we're what this really actually does today, I'm in support of as a part of as one part of a solution to what I believe to be a distance issue that I believe very strongly there'd be a distance issue in golf. Do I think it is the number one and best thing they could have done to address the issue? Absolutely not. I agree with UTC that the golf ball pays the biggest price. When we, when everyone talks about rollback, I think everyone thinks of golf ball and thinks of the distance it goes and not, uh, I'm particularly intrigued by one part of what they, they talked about in there about what they're going to look at next, which is mm -hmm. continue to monitor drivers and explore possible additional options related to distance. Specifically, the re we will research the forgiveness of drivers and how they perform with off-center hits. Like that is blinking lights, like strongest thing that I would appoint to to say, like, if you want to address the value that I would like to see restored in golf of the benefits and, and the, of, of hitting the center of the face, that would be it versus what has happened today is you have taken the dispersion cone of how professional golfers hit it, how amateurs golf golfers hit it. It's, it's varying degrees of which this is affecting it, but it's taken your dispersion cone and moved it back towards the T a little bit, right? It has not changed maybe a, probably even slightly more emphasis on hitting it farther, like a little more value in the fact that you have this skill. But at the same time, what it does is it can put a cap on or limit potentially the need to move tees back to restore shot value. Uh, I think people don't really understand the term shot value, which again, if you don't do this every single freaking day, like we do, I, I understand that completely. But the idea being, all right, a lot of stuff for, for a bunker to make sense. It has to be at, at as proper distance for the equipment that matches up. Right. But if Rory can fly seven of the bunkers that Webb Simpson can't, the shot value gets messed up a lot. And in theory with this, by bumping the ball back 5% without having to move tees, you might be bringing bunkers into play that now Rory has to think of. He's still going to get value out of hitting it farther, but he's going to be playing a more similar course 
and maybe the, the middle-ranked distance guy here. That's that's what has happened with this effect, right? This does not change the effect of off-center hits. This doesn't, as far as I know and can tell, it doesn't majorly affect the way the ball is going to spin with offline hits and, and go farther offline. It has just shrunken the scale of which the game is going to be played, a, a scale of which that has stretched out greatly, greatly, significantly over the last 30 years. And it doesn't even go all the way back to that. It not only puts a cap on it, continued to extend, but it, it is shrinking back at least a little bit, not enough in my mind, which people aren't ready to hear, but just shrunk it back a little bit to the point where I I, I don't think it is uh, that reasonable to be uh, upset about yeah. this. I think it's almost gotten disqualifying to not be a bomber, right? Of like, you know, you're where I think that's that's a problem out there where, you know, hey, if you don't hit it this far, you can't compete as a professional. I think that's gotten out of whack. I think the the... So what you said about just like, you know, this happening over 30 years or whatnot too. It's, it's like, I guess the devil's in the details on how they're going to enforce this. Like, is it, you know, how do you slow the golf ball down? Right. Do you, you slow it down via the, the core via what's inside the ball? Do you slow it down via spin? Do you slow it down via aerodynamics? Like, I guess the companies, like it kind of brings trade-offs back in a little bit more where, what I what I hope they're not doing, and and going back to, I think, Tully, what you said, like it's not bringing it far enough back. I kind of agree with you, but also it seems like that's an olive branch to, you know, all the people that are whinging about all this. It's like, hey, like they could have made this a lot more drastic, and this is more preventing against future growth than it is trying to put the genie back in the bottle. So you know, I would say acknowledge that a little bit. At least it's trying yeah. to slow it down. Right, that because that's yeah. what I think. Slumbers and and Mike Wan and you know all these guys that have been on TV today have been saying a lot. Is we know that people are going to keep optimizing and they're going to keep changing their launch angles and tr keep trying to get spin down and keep using different shafts and getting on track man and working out and doing all these things that they're they're going to keep moving forward. The point is like we're just trying to slow that rate down so that yeah. you know mike juan said this a bunch of times today like we know that probably in 15 years we're going to be right back where we are right now probably having the same conversation but to your ricky fowler point tron like at least we did something at least we slowed it down we bought ourselves another 15 years to figure out you know what wh how we're going to get our arms around this thing yeah. and and one of the main like principles of this again is the USGA and RNA have reached the conclusion through their studies that regardless of what is causing the ball to go farther, whether it be TrackMan, whether it be optimized launch conditions, whether it be driver heads, whether it be athleticism, whether it be height of the players, whether it be fairway mo height, whether it be any of these factors, regardless of the cause, it is an issue that needs to be addressed. That is what the, at many hundreds of pages of documentation of, with uh, many inputs that have gone into it, that is a conclusion they've reached, right? So it is not, I guess one of the things that I, I find myself fighting the most is like this misnomer of like, why are you taking this skill away from players? It's like, no, that is absolutely not what is happening. That's not what their desire is. It's, it's, you're still changing a bunch of functions to make sure that the proper value of shots is restored in different ways. And we can get into that in a number of different ways, but that it's. Yeah. I just, and like people, all the people, I think one of the things that's really pissed me off is like all these people saying, well, like, you know, the game's going to take longer, you know, because, you know, people are going to be hitting longer clubs and it's like, all right, well, a, this is incremental across 
skill sets. So if you're not hitting the ball 105, 110, 115 plus swing speed, you're not going to be deriving as, as much benefit out of the technology. And then also like your, your seven iron, you're not swinging at that, at those speeds. Your seven iron is not going to go demonstrably less far than it currently does. Right. At least the average player or even the above average player. And this, like, this doesn't just affect the pros. Like there's, there's people at every club, like the, the best players at every club, there's bombers at every club. Right. And it's, you know, it's the top 1% or top 2% of players everywhere, not just the top 1% in the professional ranks or like, it's, you know, it's, it's your club championship or your state amateur or your state open or, you know, like that, like there's a limiting factor when you have certain guys, like, I mean, shit, like D you were at the Walker cup, right? And like, I, I can't imagine what Nick Dunlap or Gordon Sargent was hitting into most holes there. Right. Like, like the par fours don't like strategy almost doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. I think that was kind of the, the big thing that came out of the initial distance insights report, right. Is, you know, I, I believe the quote is increased hitting distance can begin to undermine the core principle that the challenge of golf is about needing to demonstrate a broad range of skills in order to be successful. And I think we were talking to a, a friend earlier today and they brought up a good point that like, I, I think that conversation is actually interesting, right. When you get into you know, they were comparing it to basketball and like, is, is the NBA currently the game that, you know, Naismith invented? No, probably not. But that's like a fun conversation to have about whether that's good or whether that's bad. And, and I think golf where everything just gets so complicated is there's just such a massive industrial complex built around all the equipment stuff and all the, the recreational play and all the gear that goes into it. Because like you guys were saying about, you know, changing the drivers and I wish they would have would have done that. Obviously the USGA looked into that. That was one of the first things that they, they kind of said after the 2020 distance insights report came out was, Hey, we're going to look into, you know, here's our areas of interest. Here's what we're going to look into. And they came out a couple months or maybe it was because of COVID a couple years after that and said, ah, the clubs just aren't, you know, they're not, uh, it's not, it's, like, it's harder. It's harder to do. Yeah. It's just much harder to do. And even just teasing it out now, let's say that today, they came out and they said in six years, drivers are going to be substantially different. What's that going to do to driver sales for the next six years? Right. If everybody knows that, like, yeah. yeah, go buy, go buy this year's driver, go buy this year's driver, go buy this year's driver. And I know that people can roll their eyes and and we can roll our eyes to an extent too, about like how much we should be putting the commercial interests of private companies in front of, you know, the sustainability and, and health of the game. That's a whole interesting conversation, but that's what I think happens to this is, man, there's a, there's a two hour conversation down every one of these. Yes. Down every one of these rabbit holes. Right. And you can, you can keep doing it and we do it privately and publicly all the time, trying to kind of get to the bottom of all of those and figure out what the right answers are. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, let's at least all get on the same page. Like, is there a problem or is there not? Which obviously we can't get on the same page about that either because people like to get into the data and actually people, you know, I think there's, there's even credible stuff on that level, right? It's like elite players are absolutely hitting the ball farther. A lot of the data in the distance insights report is like amateur players are not really hitting it that much farther, right? That's, that's, there's a push yeah. and pull there though. There, about, the, 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 it, it's it's choppy, but like over a 30 year period, yes, amateurs are hitting it at every handicap level are hitting it. 10 to 12 to 15 yards longer. They are, but it's, it's not a clean, clean line. Yes. It, it's, it's not a like 
existential catastrophe, basically. Well, it, yeah, but the 50th percentile drum, amateur yes, does not exactly. hit the ball too far, right? That is yeah. like bright lights. That is a, I don't want to say it's a distraction in, in the conversation. It's just like, yeah, if, you, if you're if you a 50th percentile amateur male player and you play with a bunch of 50th percentile male amateur players, you have not experienced the distance right. issue, right? And and honestly, though, I think our point in this is you're still not going to feel it. Like, I, I'm sorry, you're not. Uh, you're probably not. And that brings us along a separate question. Is this worthwhile doing? Is it worth upsetting the apple cart for this current change? That is a whole different animal that I am very willing to uh, listen to conversations on that. It's just, like again, identifying like the commonality of why we – we or just the whole golf community cannot find common ground on this is 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 worth saying like yeah like i don't blame you 50th percentile amateur that has not experienced this like uh, so that's where you end up in this uh, you can go down many different rabbit holes but you end up at the same thing it's like well, okay well, does something need done yes or no and if the answer is yes okay is it only at the pro level or, or do you want to keep this unification thing and I, there's not a clean answer to any of it and that's how we ended up at the, how we are today which can also we, 50th percentile amateur is the guy that's finding fucking balls in the woods and putting them into play. Do you think those balls go as far as yeah. <laughs> you're already removing yourself from credibility? Can we talk about the bifurcation stuff a little bit? Because I think I saw a lot of questions on like, why did the PJ tour come out so strongly against this? Why do the manufacturers not like this? Solly, what's your, what's your read on that? Because, you know, again, just kind of backing up, that was the initial, the initial proposal from the governing bodies was, and again, just to go back to the timeline on some of this stuff a little bit, distance insights report, like was announced and in, in launched in 2018, right? They said, we're going to, we're starting to compile this stuff. We're going to put it all together. The findings were published in 2020 in fe February of 2020, right? As COVID's really starting to starting to buck. So a lot of the action was pushed back, pushed back. Uh, I think all the way till 2021, I think October 21 was when I'm sorry, February 21 was when they announced they were researching two areas of interest model, local rule, which was, essentially bifurcation and then club stuff like changes to testing club length changing like the the tolerance stuff the characteristic timing stuff basically all the way down to march of 2020 what was it march of 2023 was when they proposed the model local rule saying like okay we've we've been listening to you all for five years now four years five years we've heard all your comment periods here's what we suggest based on everything that everybody said based on all the data based on the problem we should just bifurcate the rules elite players pros and elite amateurs should play under one set of rules with a rolled back golf ball all the other amateurs you guys want to keep growing the game everybody else can just get high on the hog hitting bombs everywhere open up another five or six month comment period on this and govern like the the key stakeholders like torpedoed this, hated it. And so Sally, I'm curious if you, what, what, what are your thoughts on why that was and kind of how did we end up back at full rollback? Well, bifurcation. Uh, and we said this when it came out, it's messy, right? I mean, again, I think most of the distance issue is at the highest level of the game. I think, uh, the pro game has been reduced a lot to a lot more driver wedge than, than is healthy for the game. And, uh, I, I, without going down that rabbit hole, there's a, just a ton of of effects that have come from that. Narrowing of fairways has led to even more emphasis on driving distance, even though people think it's more emphasis on accuracy. It has led to correlation to driving distance going out of control. Uh, it, to strokes gained, uh, and from, from a strokes gain standpoint, correlation to accuracy going the wrong direction, all that stuff. So, look, is, is the easiest like solution to addressing it is just like for the pros play by different rules, sure. But there is like 
you know, I, I was in favor of that. I think I still am in favor of that. But at the same time, the stakeholders involved have made good points. One, where's the cutoff? Like, do you, does the U.S. Mid-Am have a rollback ball? Like, does that, how many thousands and tens of thousands of golfers does it affect that are trying to qualify for the USGA Amateur Championship, the U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship, Junior Championships, where if you're playing all your qualifiers, does that mean you're playing all your practice rounds with a different level of equipment? It, it's, it was very messy. Also, equipment companies gave very clear feedback to say like, hey, we don't want to have two factories, one to do this, you know, not that it needs a whole factory for it, but we don't want to do the R&D just for professional golfers. It, it, that also goes down to the amateur golfers. It's not desirable. We believe part of the beauty of golf is unification and we all play the same equipment. And that ultimately ruled the day from the people that were, that again, looked into the options of what to do and like understanding what rulemaking and governance actually is, like giving opinions on a podcast a lot easier, whole heck of a lot easier, even easier on Twitter and way more fun probably, but like governing and making rules and putting things in place and working with all the stakeholders is a lot more challenging. And that's kind of where you go into, goes into the black box for me of like, Hey, do you, like, you've made this point a lot, Deej, like, do you believe in governance? Do you believe the USGA and our, Peter Costas may not believe in that and wants people to rebel against it, but no, only, only cucks get governed that's, and, uh, you fight back, man. And do you trust like the decision makers at hand to like have made that proper conclusion? And like, I tend to net out on yes on this, even if like distrust has been sowed by the USGA for many, many years, it's like, man, I think we said this when Mike Wan got hired like two and a half years ago. It was like, if, if we were to pick one guy of all the golf industry to take that job, I probably would have picked Mike. And so I do have faith in his ability to make proper decisions. And I think that they probably landed on something that was the most palatable uh, at Can this you point. imagine Mike Davis <laughs> trying to deliver this, this message? Through. Like, I mean, every, everybody started it. on him. He did, but like, even all this stuff, and I guess that's that comes into some of the credibility or some of the trust issues. Even I have with the with the USGA of like the devil's in the details on this stuff, and you know better get the details right because otherwise yes. the whole thing might be. And and that's where I struggle a little bit with like long putters, right? Like they've totally fucked that up. Like like you know, there's no enforcement of it. There, there's dudes clearly anchoring out there. There's just make it simple. Make the putter like if all right. Make it to the spirit of the game. Should the putter be the the shortest club in your bag, or it can't be the longest club, or you know various things like that, or hey, a putter can't be longer than forty five inches. You know shit like that. And it's like, you know, instead we have this convoluted, toothless mess that you know they they like they just can't get out of their own way in spots. So hopefully, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. But if so, if somehow they mess this up, then it's all right. Then let's let's change it and let's let's change it back. But like, it's been going a certain direction here for for the last thirty years, and all the arguments of like why now golf's thriving. Well, not doing it right now. They're doing it in five or six years for amateurs. You know, like I, it's, it's it seems pretty thoughtful. I, yeah. I think real quick on the why now thing, just I, I can't stress how quickly that falls apart if you just think about it for two and a half seconds. <laughs> just not even right? that. Why would we do this when the game is at its absolute strongest? Yeah, totally. We should do it when it's weakest. We should do it when it's <laughs> when everything's just falling apart and nobody has extra money. That's when we should be tackling this thing. But I think what everybody's I think what everybody's stressed about is uh not wanting to see a repeat of kind of the the square groove situation right where they they you know identified this thing that was was causing a massive you know in their mind causing a massive massive problem which is that you know you guys correct me if i'm misremembering this but i think the thought was 
guys are able to spin it from the rough a lot more because of certain grooves and it's it's you know allowing them to get at pins and it's not punishing them when they hit it offline there was a whole wedge retooling situation that went on grooves changed and scoring stayed exactly the same nobody really thought about it again and i think people are are kind of saying that with you know the the anti-rollback people would be making that case of like this is not going far enough so why are we even doing it why is this just disruption for disruption's sake which I, I i am curious what you guys think on that point is this why you know is this worth i know you both kind of have alluded at they should have gone farther is it worth taking the steps that they have uh or is it kind of disruption for disruption's sake it's worth starting here. It's worth like, all right, well, there's a lot of stuff we need to address. Like, can we first basically like put a cap on this, right? Like this is, again, if we're, if we're talking like six years down the line, before, you know, four years going down the line before this goes into effect for, for pros, maybe it's five if I'm doing the math right. Um, like that is, there's going to be gains in distance between that time. And like in reality, like we're not equipment wise, but like where the distance will be probably be going is probably, I haven't looked into this closely, but like maybe like 2015 distances, right? Which is not short. Like that is not short. We're not going back to nineties distances. Like that's just not happening with this proposal. It's not, it's not significant enough, but like, all right, which there's a lot of holes in the boat. There's a, a lot, a lot of holes in the boat. Which one can we plug first? Like what in the sequence of things we need to do here to get things back to, you know, a, a more sustainable environment, uh, which, which hole can we plug first? Not the, you know, what's the biggest hole it's which one can we plug first? And this feels like the first one to plug to me. Again, it's, yeah, who knows what the actual distance is because this stuff is always, you know, there's there's some uncertainty there as far as, hey, what what does it look like in practice versus in theory or, you know, running a model or whatnot. But but I imagine if they say, all right, this is what this is where we want it to land, they can figure out how to get it there, right? Even if there's tweaks to what the formula is or what the actual regulations are, Again, going back to like what I thought earlier of like trade-offs, right? Like hopefully they, they don't just like dumb the golf ball down to where it's the exact same thing, there's same spin rates and all that, and it's just going less far. Cause to me, that's that's just as uninteresting, right? Like well, I, I yeah. I think there's interesting I, I think there's something interesting there too, going back to comparing it to other sports where when you are dealing with companies who are you know, they only exist in order to like serve a need in the market. And they are trying to please not only the professional golfers that are playing their balls, but they're also all, like millions and millions of consumers is like, they're setting out there. There's no tournament ball, right? Like they're setting out to make the straightest ball, the, the like least interesting to your, to your point. Like they're trying to make the least interesting golf ball possible because that's the one that's going to sell the best. It's not like, yeah. The USGA has a ball factory and they're saying like, in order to make the game more interesting, we're going to make it spin 20% more because that's going to, you know, bring back shot making and all this stuff. Like I don't, they're going to figure out how to optimize it. Yeah. Like, like within, within those parameters, with the ingredients that they have available, all I'm saying is like, when you add more constraints to the mix, to me, that's where it gets interesting. You have to make yeah. a, you have to make a decision between distance. Like, like I feel like growing up, we had to make much more of a decision between distance and spin. Yes, distance right. in, in greenside control and then the solid core golf ball came out and that was like re like rather than just being a like a, a matter of raw distance because there were long golf balls out there it was a matter of you could get that high launch and that lower spin off the tee while not having to compromise the spin and the control with the wedges and around the green right 
And I think, you know, you, you add on a little bit more constraint as far as distance goes and Hey, maybe the recipe looks a lot different and people start prioritizing, you know, other elements more so than just right now. It's like distance, distance, distance. Yeah. Speaking of distance, listen, there's a lot of ways you can get ready for the holiday season. And uh, one of the ways you could do it is by gifting your loved ones or yourself the perfect golf present. That is the all-new Rapsodo MLM 2 Pro. We are building off the success of the original MLM, which is now only $299.99. Uh, Rapsodo has introduced the MLM 2 Pro, a mobile launch monitor and golf simula simulator that's revolutionizing the game. This award-winning device offers three video replay options to analyze your swing, delivers 13 key metrics, and boasts an impressive selection of over 30,000 simulated courses. And one of the most remarkable features, it's portability, whether you're practicing shots at home or aiming to enhance your game at the range, this device easily fits into your golf bag for effortless transportation. It's priced at $699.99. It is a steal. My Golf Spy recently dubbed it the best value launch monitor. You can go to rapsodo.com to take advantage of their, of their exclusive deals and take your game to new heights. From now until December 10th, you can save $69.99 on the MLM 2 Pro plus a dozen RPT golf balls or enjoy 20% off Rapsodo Sim Studios, whether you got space for a 13-foot wide enclosure or just enough room for a backyard net. Rapsodo.com has five studio options tailored to fit your needs, plus all five studio bundles are available for under $3,000 or under $5,000 if you include a projector and the MLM2 Pro. And lastly, you can save on the original MLM by using promo code NLU. On the You save on the MLM plus premium membership bundle, unlocking total savings of $99.99. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your game with Rapsodo and to play without limits. People can do their own testing. Right. 20, 2030 yeah. starts now, TC. Start yeah. optimizing, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I think on that level too, like it's, I, you know, I don't know. Like what, what percentage of this is, is driver head? What percentage is ball, this or that? I just know like I, I've gone out and played with Titleist Professionals or Max Fly Revolutions or whatever ball. Like I've, I've tested out like a few different ones and just see how they spin differently off the seven iron, see what they do, you know, kind of, like see how it reacts differently with a hickory versus a modern driver all that. And it's like, like, yes, the golf balls go farther now. Like that's an indisputable fact. And uh, you know, I, I like, I think we need to employ the eye test a little bit here. That's all I'm saying. Well, right? I, I think again, trying to separate out like disingenuous arguments versus like very valid arguments is, is a lot of the outrage that we saw online today was yeah. pretty much of like, I will leave the game over this. And I'm not exaggerating Please some of that do. reaction. Like, I, 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 you know, who's going to leave the game? And I would say, like, man, golf is in an extremely fragile place, regardless of any future decisions. If, like, plus or minus, like, minus five yards would cause people to leave the game, right? Like, I, I get a very, very small percentage of my golf enjoyment comes from the final 5% that my ball carries in the air. Right. And it there's it, it again, it's it, the important, if I had to like big, bold letters, like put this out there for people to, to the one thing to please take away from all of this is this is, is distance at, at any level is relative, right? And you are, and your golf course, wherever you play are in charge of setting up relative distance, right? I do not play the same tees at the courses I play consistently. I will move around from time to time. If it's 55 degrees, like very little chance I'm going to the back tees at Timaquana just because that just becomes a lot more stressful of a day, right? I'm in charge of setting up what tees I want to play. Now, when there's a bunker at 220 and I'm hitting a driver over it and I clear it by 
50 yards, do I get like a lot of pleasure out of that and a lot of joy of the game? No, that's not where the joy lies for me. The joy lies from taking on the proper challenge of a shot that is fit for my skill level, right? Trying to cover a 330 bunker is also not a good skill for me. So like chances are, if you're struggling to cover bunkers or whatnot, you might be playing the wrong set of tees. And like part of that is going to come back to you. And like, again, if you put it in a very simple terms, if there's A, juiced up equipment and you have a 400 yard hole and B, you have rolled back equipment and you're playing like a 385 yard hole, I'm of the belief you're going to have better time long-term in the game of golf playing B at the 385-yard hole. It's a, it's a more healthy scale for the game of golf, and you don't have to go play the same tees, the same golf course with rolled-back equipment. Like a lot of the stuff I'm seeing in the PGA of America today is kind of frustrating me of like the messaging that this is going to make golf harder for people. No, like you're partially, you're almost entirely in charge of that as a golfer, of like what kind of challenge you want to take on, and I think people should take some ownership of that. I think there's also something to be said for, I mean, I know the USGA has tried with T it forward, which didn't go great, but I mean, they, they put that in pretty big, bold letters in their original distance insights report too, is just people are playing the wrong T's just full stop anyways. For sure. And I almost think that this is like a good instance of, it, it kind of gives people an excuse to move up that, that should have moved up a long time ago. And, and one of the best arguments I feel like I've seen, because I see it with my wife, Justine all the time is there's a lot of courses that don't have tees far enough forward to begin with now Correct. as it is and rolling it back again. A lot of the people who are playing those tees probably going to see a very small, like they hit it in very inconsistently. They don't compress the golf ball. They're probably going to see a very small impact on whatever this golf ball ends up being anyways. But even if it's one yard, you know, they're already not long enough to, to get there based on the tees they're playing. And this doesn't help. So I, my heart goes out to those people. And what I would say is like, if we're going to build any more tee boxes, if we're going to invest in these clubs, man, it makes a lot more sense to, to build more forward tees than it does more back tees, especially if all these beginners that everybody's telling me about are coming and joining the game, then there has to be better communication and better, like almost like onboarding towards, Hey man, you don't need to be playing all the way back there. Cause that's what fucking makes it take so long. Right. Is, is just people playing, playing the wrong tees to begin with. We can get into all the fractional stuff of like, I'm hitting an eight iron instead of, you know, a nine iron. And that means I'm going to miss X percent more greens, which is going to take X percent more time and blah, 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 blah. Like that, that stuff is all valid, but it's, uh, I would think it has to be so far outweighed by people just playing the wrong tees to begin oh, yeah. with. I just wonder like, why are, why are some of these people playing golf to begin with? Like you just playing for the wrong reason, right? And that and that's what, if I if I may, the like technology is keeping we're hanging on for dear life because of you know this technology stuff. We're hanging on to these pandemic golfers because of technology. Is like it, it's just yeah. so disingenuous, right? That that just that to me feels like saying, you know, the option that like me being able to zoom my background on or me being able to uh, blur my background on Zoom. Like that's the reason everybody started working from home during the pandemic is because of that option. It's like, no, no, I don't, I don't think so, man. I think there was a lot more that went into it. That, that certainly, uh, you know, makes life a little bit easier, probably a little more fun. People don't have to see your messy apartment or whatever, but yeah, I think there's probably larger forces at play. Again, we're going back to the disingenuous arguments we, we hear about it's games more popular than ever. It's like, okay, well literally from like every year, according to the National Golf Foundation, from like 2004 up until COVID, like every single year saw a decline in U.S. golf participation. Over the largest expansion of distance that we've seen in the game, 
golfer the golf courses were closing at a, a you know a huge rate which I, the financial crisis can of course be blamed for some of that but like that is an element of this is it, it people were not lining up to play the game because all of a sudden the ball is going a lot farther people were leaving the game people were playing less rounds of golf and so is is correlating the wrong thing to say like the distance has, has caused this boom in people playing it was covid and and like that was happening in the context of like post tiger woods correct too which is even more jarring and guess what you know what tiger thinks about all this like, I know Tiger's yeah. pro-bifurcation, but he thinks, hey, like, we need to do something, at least for the for the elite players, right? So, I don't know. It's it's so funny when everybody holds up Tiger. is like, all right, well, like Tiger said, it's cool. Like, why aren't we doing that here? Like, put your money where your mouth is. I, 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 like, Matt Janella, he had a, a post on on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. It was, like, one of the most it was a nonsensical things I think I've ever read. Like, if, you know, of course, he he managed to just bring white belts and filleting uh, Mike Kaiser in it. And, you know, as if Bandon's some like super repeatable recipe that you can do at your local Muni or whatever. But, you know, it's just like, you know, like, you know what, man, we're all chasing that extra 10 yards and you know what father time's going to roll us all back in the long run. So, you know what, this is, this is outrageous. How dare you, how dare you try to like legislate or regulate the game? The part that like, like almost every anything you can make work again in this vacuum, right? Like if you want to ignore like all of the ma the macro data, like you can make all these points. Like all of them totally work. They totally work. Like why would you, why would any amateur want to give up five yards? That totally works. Like if you want the answer to that, though, it is out there. Like we can give you that answer. But I still think like I, I still struggle with that question of just hey. I hit it 230. Like, why would I want to hit it? Like, what what would your guys go to answer for that be of somebody that is mad about losing five yards off that? Like, what how would you what, how would you address that to them of like, here's why this is gonna happen? I think I would go toward some of the unification stuff. I, I think has kind of grown on me over the over the last six months or so. And you know, if if we're all going to play under the same set of rules, then we need to rein things in at the top end. And this is this is the byproduct of that, I guess. And I also would say that, like, there's nothing stopping you from moving up a little bit and making up that distance just based on where you're teeing off. But I, I again, I, that's not like a great answer. I, I, I don't think it's it's not fair to the everyday golfer, right? That this is but I, I think that if we're all going to there's so many different interested parties here that if we're all going to stay under the same umbrella and we're all going to play the same rules, then we're going to have to kind of be governed by whatever that top end is. And it's going to have to flow downwards from there. So it like, I, I don't think it's nothing about it is, is fair, right? I, I don't think it's fair to go say Tron, you're losing five yards or Tron, your mom is going to lose a couple yards. Like, I don't, I don't think that's, that's not like a fair argument to make to anybody. But and I don't think it's really the, like all that fair to a lot of the manufacturers either to say like, hey, I know we didn't really police this in a way that we probably should have over the last 20 years. But now we're going to have to kind of fix everything all at once. Like if I was one of those businesses, I would also be quite fucking mad about it. <laughs> I get why I get why they feel the way that they do. But Tron, it goes back to what you said at the beginning is like if you think there's a problem. Okay, well, step one is step one. Let's figure out. Something. Let's figure out how to start moving it in the right direction and and unbreaking some of this stuff. And just because you don't 
see a problem in this. Like, again, a lot of people right. just don't see the problem. That does not mean it doesn't exist just because yeah. you haven't experienced it or, or don't, you know, care to understand it. A lot of people don't like, I, I get that I do, but that does not mean it does not exist. Like a lot of the, I guess the, the responses that got me the most upset were like, uh, the way you frame this is, 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 is horrible. Like you said, uh, you know, addressing the distance issue, there is no issue. It's like, it's like one of the most debated and discussed things that we'll ever have in our lifetimes as it relates to this game. Like, clearly there is an issue here. Like you are just choosing to ignore the fact that there is an issue. Like this is not the best use of my time. I could do many other things with my life than just debate this issue. Right. But clearly there's, there's something to discuss here. A a lot of the stuff. And I think it was Thomas Pagel on golf channel was, uh, was good about this today is like, man, and this is, we don't have to go far into it, but I promise this is not related to just the golf distance issue. This might be a pervasive issue uh, across our society these days, but just cherry picking one uh, piece of data to to hold up as your, your overarching uh, case against, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of other data is just not really, uh, it's not really an effective way to go about this. And that's where I keep coming back to some of the Twitter stuff is, well, according to this one chart, the golf ball is not going any farther. It's like, okay, well, according to 25 years worth of moving tee boxes and, you know, go talk to any tour player, man, see if the golf ball is going farther or not. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it is. So, yes, it, there's going to be outlier. There's going to be little outlier data items all over the place. But where I, again, I'm not going to run all those down. I'm not going to put the onus on myself to go track all that stuff down. And maybe that makes me like a sheep or something, but I'm going to trust that that's exactly what the USGA has done over the last five, six, seven, eight, 12, 15 years is trying to take a very comprehensive look at that. And because again, I, I feel like this is probably the last thing that they want to wake up and work on is, is, is changing yeah, it's not some stuff. power play that like, Oh, you know what? Like we got to take control of our, no, like I, I think they have bigger fish to fry and they'd rather be working on something else. My thing with like, is this an issue or not? All right, cool. Then like, tell Tiger it's not an issue. Tell Rory it's not an issue. Tell Jack Nicholas it's not an issue. Like those guys seem pretty knowledgeable about golf Barbara. at large. You know, it, it's all. I, I I'm hesitant to do this next one because I think it's kind of along the same lines of disingenuousness. What would the word there be? Do you see? I don't know. Disin- I think disingenuousness. Okay. If it really is about how the actual distance the ball goes, if that's really like what sells the tour level, we hear that a lot. Like people want to see the long ball. People want to, you know, see the bomb, what, whatever. Why aren't more tour events held in Colorado? If that's the case. You know what, Sally? I'm going to move away or from space, Florida. Or I'm tired of this bullshit planet sea level. This is, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, this is I'm, the game's just not fun here, man. Right. But like if, if it's about yeah. the total number that it goes, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Colorado be like more of a golf destination than it is? Like if it's, if, if, if it really is about how far it actually goes. And again, the answer to that is clearly because distance is relevant, right? I, I don't get more of a thrill out of my drive going 330 in Colorado that would have gone 300 at, at sea level because I know it's the air that helped me get there. Right. So it, it's not about the number at the end of the day. It is way more about the challenges that are close to you within that golf course. And that's like, yeah. again, that, like that answers a lot of the question, right. Of, of if they're, if they're selling us on, yes, the actual yardage that it goes, the number at the end of it is what sells then like, why wouldn't you help hold more events where the ball goes farther? Totally. I think the tour, I mean, you know, like I don't even think the tour knows what their product is. So like we can get in, I mean, you know, like we bitch about it on every, on every pot of like, it's the most myopic, unstrategic 
like unserious group of people out there that, you know, most of them, like a lot of the leadership there should lose their jobs. So like, I'm not even going to factor in what they have to say about this. Cause they're saying that the shot link data is being misappropriated or it's like, all right, cool. Let's go back to like, you know, measuring distance two holes around. What does that data say? Cool. That, that data backs up everything that's being said here. Like, yeah, like they, you know, the part of it is like they've dumbed, yeah. they've dumbed the game down on the on the PGA Tour. It's like if anything, if you want this thing to be more interesting, like the long ball is is all relative, right? Like you could you could take the governor off the balls right now, and guys could be hitting it four hundred and twenty yards. Man, I would like somebody to make the case for that. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, all right, cool. Like, what you know, some of these people, if like if that's why you watch golf, cool. Then like, why aren't like 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 why aren't long drive contests? Why aren't those the most popular event in all of golf, bigger than the majors? Right? Like, it's all relative. It's all relative to to history, to the course, to the field. But all of those things, I feel like when 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 the when the competition is out of proportion to the course itself, that makes it less interesting. Just like when at a lot of your local munis, the course is out of proportion to the current distances where, you know, certain bunkers aren't in play any longer or, you know, and like that makes golf less interesting to everyone who goes out and plays there that hits it a certain length. And that's not good for the game either, you know? And I think that is, I think that's where some of the comps to other sports break down, right? Because you could, you can convince me that, you know, if I'm just close my eyes and and listen for a second, it's, there's something interesting about the way that Rory hits a driver versus the way that guys in the seventies hit a driver. And that's what athletic progress looks like. And like, there, there is something to, you know, there are already limitations on golf balls and clubs, and these guys are doing these things inside of those limitations and like creating these extra gains with a lot of athleticism, a lot of technology as well, but with a lot of optimization and all these things. And, you know, that's, that's what happens when a game continues to evolve. But I think the difference is this game in particular is like largely played against the course, right? You're not playing against the basketball court that is going to get outsized. You're playing against the other players. And I, I know that breaks down a little bit because you are playing against the other player's score, but it is a different, it's a different thing. It's supposed to be who's navigating the golf course. You're not playing defense against, against the other guys. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's it, it, the comps can break down pretty easily of, you know, some of the, the basketball comps or whatever that have got, you know, should we limit guys that are able to dunk it now just because the guys are faster? Strong? No, but if there were shoes that let you jump two feet higher and made the dunk a kind of skill that anyone could they're, they're do dealing from with that right now and running. Like there's certain shoes that yes, if it's equipment related yeah. boost that you're getting out of it, like the the baseball is tinkered with all the freaking time. Tennis ball has been slowed down to get the proper balance of skills test in that game. You can make the tennis ball go way faster and make it all about serves. And tennis decided like that was not good for the game. And like we are of the opinion that driving distance is like not the premier where where golf should be decided. And again, it gets really in the weeds, and you have to follow the data on this to say like. And the, the farther the whole field is driving it, the less driving, the less distance they're going to have into the hole and the less ability of the higher skill play, the less ability of the higher skill players are going to have to differentiate, differentiate, them, differentiate themselves from the field. Like that's just math in it, right? If, if uh, Keith Mitchell, I, I, I tend to pick on him just because he drives it really far and it, that's his, like his main skill. But like if Keith Mitchell is going to compete 
with a Rory, he's going to want uh, the golf, you know, he's going to want the test to be more about wedges than it would be seven irons, right? Like that's where like Rory is going to gain more on Keith Mitchell. And that's just one example. And like, that's, that's the scale at which we're talking about the, uh, I think people get confused a lot with the de-skilling, which is a, separate issue like, I like think we're not saying that this isn't skilled it's just it's the a, wrong balance of skills the weight per skill yes i think um, going back to the baseball analogy like you know it's like a if they if back in the you know when the ball was flying out of the parks and everything and they said all right well cool the ball's flying out of the parks so we gotta we gotta move the fences back we gotta keep moving the fences back we gotta make 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 everything look like petco park in san diego or safeco out in Seattle, right? And like keep doing that and keep doing that. And at the same time, we're also going to make it so that pitchers can't spin the ball as much. You know, like they can't, like the breaking balls, we're going to make it like, and, and to me, like I think breaking balls are like one of the most interesting things in all of baseball and all of sports, right? Like, it's, you know, the different sliders versus curveballs versus splitters, like all that stuff. And it's like, you know what? So we're going to make the ball just go straighter off the pitcher's hand too but simultaneously we're going to make it you know we're, we're going to keep making the ballparks bigger and bigger and bigger like that's the analogy here is like that doesn't work you know that's that's a less interesting form of the game and it's more grass to mow out in the outfield and and you know i, I don't know it's just it's like nobody's woken up for the last 25 30 years and said hey what are we doing here why don't we think about this holistically what do you what do you think the best case against the rollback is I think the best case is over time. There's been a ton of damage done. There's uh, there's a ton of just natural inertia. Is that the word? Like the way, like almost all golf courses in some way have evolved in the last twenty to thirty years in some way. And like in theory, does this mean some have to like go backwards? Maybe. Like I've some people are like my course has one set of tees, and like if we have to play the same set of tees, we're totally screwed with this new. Like, one, I don't really agree with that. And, you know, one guy was saying, like, I, I play the same course in Ireland. We've had the same set of tees for 97 years. And I'm like, man, I think the tees, if they worked 97 years ago, I think they're going to work with a ball that goes five yards farther for the average amateur, right? It, it, I don't know if this is enough uh, of a change to make it worth upsetting the apple cart in the way that it does, I think is the best case against it. In the way that it could, I would say, because I think we, we haven't really talked about that enough is a, a lot of these projections feel like projections. We don't I don't know that we have. I'm sure they have prototype golf balls and stuff, but we don't like we don't know what the 2028 golf ball is going to yeah. look like. We don't know how it's going to react. We don't know how it's going to spin. We don't know how it's going to launch. We don't know a, a lot of that stuff. I don't know that we know. I saw some people flagging, changing some of the the launch conditions on the test, right? Like the optimum launch that they have come up with now, which is what 125, 2211 degrees of launch. It sounds like that's kind of a unicorn person that doesn't, doesn't really exist right now. A lot of the guys who launch it, you know, at that speed are either doing it with more spin or with lower launch. So that could throw off, you know, who knows what that means for how that ball reacts with amateurs. And, you know, maybe they end up losing more than, projections we're not going to know that until any of the the golf balls actually come out which is still a big question mark which again i if you're an optimist i would say is reason to hold some of your uh vitriol we don't really know how it's gonna how it's gonna react which like it was funny to me like where i think it was Strixon gave keegan bradley like hey here's the balls that are gonna make you play with nobody knows what those balls are like yet we could make a ball that basically aligns right like 
you know, adheres to the new regulations. And I'm sure there's a hundred and like, or infinite variations of, Hey, we can, you know what, Keegan, we're going to give you this ball that totally adheres to this. Who knows how it's adhering? It could be adhering via aerodynamics with the same core. It could be a shitty core with great aerodynamics. Like, like that's, that's such an unserious thing to, to basically poison the well with and say, you know what? Like, here's the ball. And it's like, all right, like you could do that. The same thing. Like there's, there's a bunch of balls on the conforming list now that are dog shit golf balls that, you know, it's like, oh, like they're going to make you hit this golf ball. Like, no, like, well, yeah, like you could hit that golf ball, but like, are you going to go out and buy that golf ball? Probably not. You know, yeah, I think giving, giving people two, three, four years to, to go get in the lab and figure something out is probably going to yield something better than the one that I think Keegan was saying. It went like 40 yards shorter than his normal Which, drivers. And like, who knows? Like they probably sabotage that. to like, Hey, yeah. let's make, let's make an awful golf ball just to prove the point here. And you know, Hey, this, this adheres to the new regulations or whatever, but you know, they didn't really try to make it optimized. Right. It's just dishonest. A, 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 a point I think we should make is, as you kind of talk about some of those launch conditions and the unicorn element of that, Deej, is to say, like, look, I, again, I was pretty much in favor of bifurcation over this. I still think this is better than doing nothing. But, like, what, what they've made here, if the numbers are to be believed from what they've released, and if this test is how I understand it to be, is sort of a bifurcation element of how this is going to have an effect, right, of – it will be felt more at the pro game, which is where I think it needs it the most. And for the most part, I, I think it's going to be a very negligible difference. Like I think if you had a, a, some, a, a 50th percentile amateur player hit 20 golf balls uh, and not go see where they, you know, you, you don't go down the fairway to see where they ended up. Like from the tee, you hit 20, half are the new ball, half of the old ball. And like made you pick after you've hit it and seen where it goes. Like, was that the new one or was that the old one? they would not get 100% of them right. I don't think I would get 100% of them right. I don't know if the pros would get 100% of them right. Like, I, I think that the difference is going to be negligible enough at that level, yet at the same time, like, still accomplish something at the highest level to say, like, if if everything works out the way it should, this should have an effect in the right areas of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the people, I guess one reason or, hey, people are going to have to rework their golf games. Like, that's, you know, but, but I f it feels like they've, they've done it in a way where you're not necessarily going to have to do that. Like it's not going to, it's not such a structural change or I would counter with like people have had to rework their golf games over the last two decades. And now like I grew up swinging with a negative attack angle, as I'm sure a lot of people that are our age or older did. And now it's, Hey, you got to swing plus two, you know, plus one, plus two, plus three launch it high. Um, you know, I mean, shit like tiger tiger was probably affected just as much as anybody yep. by this, you know? And so it's like, all right, like you've already forced all these other people to change their games. Like, like that was the other thing that, that uh, Keegan said, which is like, well, now I'm going to have to change shafts and, and recalibrate. It's like, fuck off, man. Like you do that every off season anyway. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you put new equipment in play. You, like you guys, like that's why you're the best in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's counter to like, oh yeah, we could, we could change all this in a heartbeat. I think one, one other thought, thought that kind of came to me this week was, for the people that say that, you know, this is going to decrease my enjoyment of the game. I think that's too zoomed in of a view. I, I think overall there will be less enjoyment of the game as a whole. If there's less places to play, right? Like I, I strongly, strongly, again, do not believe that the final 10, five to 10 yards of your drive 
flying in the air is the difference in you playing the game and not playing the game. And like, again, if you read the distance insights report and read the effect the distance has had on golf courses and footprints and the cost of maintenance, the only logical conclusion I believe to reach is that the farther the ball goes, the higher maintenance costs are going to be and the less golf courses that are going to exist. Like that is just a straight mathematic formula. And that's, that's just, there's no getting around that right in some way. So again, yeah. Go ahead. I also just keep thinking about – I know this cuts both ways, right? People talking about hitting longer clubs into greens. I just keep thinking about how many balls I hit out of bounds by five yards, <laughs> right? Like just keeping more balls in the ballpark feels like a, a overall yep. you know, benefit. But, which, uh, you know, I'm I'm lobbying for more spin, which would probably mean more balls out of the ballpark. <laughs> would probably more than make up for that. But I think some of the agronomic stuff too of like, hey, let's have those conversations about – the amount of grass out there or, you know, cutting back certain amounts of rough or whatever. Cool. Like, like just cause we're rolling the golf ball back doesn't mean that we can't have those other conversations as well and do that other stuff. Like these things aren't mutually exclusive, right? That's what, yeah. There's just so many different levers that feel like they're moving again. Thomas Pagel is really good at bringing this topic up whenever, whenever somebody goes into, you know, just grow the rough uh conversation right like just you don't want you don't want scoring just grow the rough up just grow the rough up guys will have to hit the fairways they'll have to pinch it in there's a whole other podcast we've talked about that many many times that that fallacy but we can do it again today if you want but the big thing he always brings up that i feel like very few other people do is that's such a luxury to even be able to to say that stuff because like golf courses are so different from one another and try just grow the rough up in southern california where it rains X number of days per year is very, very different than just grow the rough up here in Wisconsin where it's we rains all the time. Great grass is always super lush and green. We can do that whenever you want, right? But that's very different than Australia. That's very different than Thailand. That's very different than Japan yeah. or do you call Ireland all the superintendents or, and be like, hey, yeah. Argentinian superintendent, like, can you grow the rough up at your course rather than us regulate the equipment? <laughs> like, how do you implement and, that? And that's where I think maybe again. Maybe I'm going to change my biggest takeaway from this, but where I keep coming back to is it feels like there are there are legitimately interesting conversations on both sides, and I, I almost feel like when one comes up, you put it into that pile or or that pile, right? Like you you put it on the right or you put it on the left, and it's yeah, there, that's a good point about um, you know whatever that's unfair to people who don't get the most out of current equipment how are you going to roll them back even further that's interesting okay the pro game's going too far okay now let's talk about the old course now let's talk about water usage now let's talk about you know what i mean and you just keep going on and on and on and i think these the two sides of this argument it's not it's not black or white it's not right or wrong or one or zero they're i don't know what they are 60 40 towards we have to do something or 70 30 or 55 45 or 49 and a half to 49.4 like I, I don't know what it is but it i think at the end of the day it's that's where i keep coming back to like the usga has to look at that all of those different conversations what is the like cumulative answer from all of those which pile is bigger okay now we need to act and so that's where it, it just frustrates me to no end is when you just say well actually at this tournament the ball didn't go farther so why are we doing any of this stuff? It's like, dude, that it's just so much more complicated than that. And it's it's pretty dishonest to start looking at it that way, I think. I think there's some some interesting stuff in like the different reactions or responses from different stakeholders or companies or 
governing body. Solid. you want to get into any of that as far as just... Yeah. Um, did I read the PGA Tour one already? Yeah, I did, right? Uh, no, maybe I didn't. We The PGA, so. PGA Tour said, we continue to provide feedback to the USGA and, R- and RNA that we believe the proposed increase in test club head speed to 125 mile an hour is disproportional to the rate of increase that we see when analyzing PGA Tour radar data on launch conditions using best practices for analyzing data. Uh, it says in there disproportional is a grammar mistake, uh, but that was the way that... that uh, that they uh, that they had in their memo. That's what I thought. They, I think they have a yeah. grammar mistake in their in their memo. Um, they said they therefore, got a lot going, a lot going yeah, on. Right? I'll let that one slide. <laughs> therefore, we do not support today's announcement regarding the increase to 125 miles an hour, believing a more moderate adjustment is appropriate. So, like, how much more moderate are we going to get? Because this is a change from 127 to 125, which is what was proposed in the uh, in, in the MLR. And again, for people that don't follow this closely, what the overall distance standard, summarizing it, you know, kind of really dumbing it down. It's the ball can't go longer than 317 yards plus three yards of tolerance tested at a certain speed and in certain launch conditions. And the the spin and the launch angle change. But if we're just focused on miles an hour for a second, the current test is tested at 120 miles an hour swing speed, meaning the ball at 120 miles swing speed at the current launch conditions. It can't fly more than three, 317 plus three. Now they're changing that. The, the proposed for the bifurcation was 127 miles per hour, meaning a, a more significant rollback. So like if at 127, it can't fly farther than this 317 yards plus three yards of tolerance. Now they've changed this to now being 125. So at that very fast club head speed, it cannot fly farther than 317 yards plus three. It's just funny to me too that like the USGA and the RNA have, have adhered to exactly what they've laid out as far as the vancouver stuff and hey there's going to be this what is very, the vancouver very, stuff people don't probably don't know what that is the vancouver protocols basically lays out hey here's the process for making these changes it's it's a long process of notifications of you know communications between the stakeholders of just very very kind of bureaucratic you know and and slow moving glacial uh process if, to make sure that everybody is is heard and listened to and feels like their seat at the table is at least represented in the discussion. And then they propose this, there's a comment period, da, 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 da. And it seems like the tour is just waiting and like not participating and then waiting until the last possible moment, tor- trying to torpedo it with leaks and, you know, diminishing certain things and then crying foul. It's like they do everything. It's just so arrogant with, with, from Jay and, I think Billy Schroeder's doing this. It's just, it's really, really bad. I think there's an interesting conversation around the shot link data. I was thinking about too. Just, I was, I was just at a title shoot this week, talking a lot of driver stuff with a lot of different people and just asking, there were a couple of players there and was asking kind of philosophies on drivers and almost to a man, a lot of them were, were saying as my career has gone on, I've had to put a higher priority on hitting fairways and you know, I have more gas in the tank and I don't, you know, I rarely use it out on the golf course. And I think you can look at that either way, right? Like you could look at that as, see, this is kind of regulating itself and the game is, you know, it's working out and these guys, you know, it's not all about distance. These guys still do have to hit fairways, which I think is, is part of the conversation, just like I was saying earlier. But I think the fact that all of them have it in the tank and the fact that they're able to get more and more optimized in that way. Like when you start looking at like the, the lower levels of golf, the other thing that they said was when you're not playing on the courses that we're playing on, 
you just fucking mash it as hard as you can. And that's where you start getting into junior golf, college golf, high level amateur golf, corn fairy tour golf, mini tour golf. Like I, I, that's where that different style is, is, uh, cause yeah, they said super like certain guys right? that on the corn fairy tour, their, their swing speed went down when they made the, right. the PGA tour, their average driver speed went down. And so that's where, again, it's like if you if you zoom, I know it all has to be data driven, but if you zoom extra close in on a lot of the PJ Tour data, maybe you're seeing some of that as well, right? TC, that's where the eye test, we got to bring the eye test back. I just, I just struggle with like, all right, we're not against doing something, but we just don't think we should have done this. Then like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what else is there to do? And like, put out some, some think- ideas, put out some solutions here. I think the best PJ Tour statement that they could have put out is just like, basically like the smoking Popeye's employee meme would have, would have been the best, the best thing that they could have said is just like, dude, we're fucking exhausted right now. We can't deal with this. I, I can't eat a tr- from the desk of the PJ tour commissioner. I can't even right now. guys. <laughs> honestly, honestly, if they had just, if they would have said why now I would have respected that. I'm like, honestly, yeah. kind of appropriate right now. Cause yeah. you're unsure if you're going to exist in 2028 as it stands right now. Um, yeah, but like it it just feels like they're saying like you surprised us with this. Like no like no, like like I think the <laughs> you rejected the, the bifurcation. This is your 20, fault. They laid this process out in 2011. They've been going with this this you know, down this path at least for the last 5 years, you know? Yeah. And I think as a fan sp- talking specifically about pro golf, I think it'd be a hell of a lot more entertaining if there's just more volatility down the stretch of a tournament off the tee of there's so many times now where it's like yeah like this guy's not gonna never gonna make worse than bogey here because he's gonna swing as hard as he can with the with the biggest club in his bag and it doesn't go offline you know which again is not addressed by this right and i think it it i I, we can probably spend another four hours discussing this element of the game of like the bigger issue being the players having full permission to wail on golf balls and the role that technology and equipment plays in that is largely encouraged by, you know, toe hits that draw towards the middle of the fairway, heel hits that cut towards the middle of the fairway, center hits that go really far. And the floor of your misses being so high that there's no reason you're, you're, it's riskier to not swing hard and to not, you know, to give up distance to the field. And that is a, a way bigger problem when it comes to the appropriate, like, Tiger Woods is way better at hitting it out of the center of the face than Scotty Scheffler is. I'll say that. And Scotty's one of the best ball strikers yeah. in the world. Like that video that Taylor made released of Scotty pounding drivers and towing them and hooking them at, and carrying like 312 was like, should have been alarm bells. Hopefully alarm bells of like, that is a bigger problem than just the total distance that the ball flies. So, Which also, it feels like it's a heck of a lot easier to bifurcate equipment than does the ball. Right. Like if, you know, like let's say everybody's got to be playing the same, same balls. Right. But driver wise, cool. You've made it to the tour. That, that feels more similar to me than like, you know, you got to play a different ball and a different club versus like that feels more similar to like college baseball to MLB. Cool. You know what? Driver size goes down to 300 CCs and, you know, you can, you can make the same, like, you know, companies are making mini drivers as is right now. Like you can make a driver with similar characteristics to what your consumer model is. You know, I I feel like that's a lot more equitable to, to, you know, because I feel like with bifurcation, the big thing that stuck out in my mind was 
hey, at what point, like if if somebody grows up playing a certain ball and then and then you're just gonna totally throw that away when they make their pro debut, like that it feels really, really tough. Whereas with driver, it's like the ball, like if you hit it out of the center of the face, get it to where it performs relatively similarly and it just degradates as you get farther and farther away from the center of the face and it's a smaller face. That feels like if you're one of the best players in the world, you should be able to adapt to that. I both fully agree with and would sign your petition for exactly what you're describing right now. But then I'm also like, why is the PJ tour voting to put that in? Or why are they like, why are they voting to enact that in their own rules? Right. Cause that's again, a different, yeah. that's different than the USGA rules. So that would have to be something that they no, like, like I'm saying, like the themselves. USGA basically says, Hey, for, for high level tournaments, they could say, Hey, this is what we're doing yeah. for the U S for the U S open and, and the RNA for the British open. And even for the U S amateur, right. It's like, Hey, if you're going to play a high level, you know, competitive golf, it's, you know, here's, here's what, here's what the deal is. Um, you know, and then, and I would say too, like, maybe that, I, I don't, maybe that's what they'll do with it. Like they, there was a bullet point in the announcement today that they're going to continue to continue investigating, you know, forgiveness and all that stuff. Maybe that's yeah. where they end up is a model local rule on equipment for super because high that's stuff. stuff that's like, you know, Hey, if you do shrink the driver head and make it less forgiving, like that does affect the retail golfer. That does make it harder to play. That yeah. does, you know, like, all right, yeah. like we want to put our money where our mouth is cool. Let's, let's look at that then. Um, uh, you know, I would just say too, like the, the tour based upon everything that they've like all their behavior, not to mention all the things they say on a day to day basis, they, like they don't give a shit about the game at large, Oh God. you know, like they don't care about like, you know, the, like, like the state of golf worldwide. Like that's part of the reason we're in this mess to begin with, with live. And, you know, like they've, they've totally turned their backs on Australia and South America and, and the app. Like the app is, is, is terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, well, yeah, like, like I'm not looking at them to, to lead the game. And if, you know, it's, it's, that's absurd to me, you know, one other like thing that I, I think probably should have said this closer to the beginning is like where we see this sliding scale is what makes in theory, what makes recreational golf more fun is the easier element of it. Right. Yet the more easy you make the, the technology, the less appealing the professional game is going to be, right? There's a constant tug of like pro golf, probably at its best with really dialed back equipment where the, the top players are identified by skill a lot easier than they are. Like, I'm sorry, professional golfer mishits should not travel 315 and go straight. Like that, that's, they should be punished for that more so than like your average 50th percentile male golfer should be, right? Well, so, and there's such a, there's such a, like that, that sets such a poor example for retail golfers all over the world when it comes to setup and course conditions and agronomy to where yeah. like, you know, every time you have to push a major venue or even a regular PGA tour venue to the absolute limit in order to challenge these guys or create any sort of separation, you know, players see that, at, you know, and say at their home club, Hey, you know, I want the fastest screens possible. Why, why are our fairways this, this wide, you know? There's whether people it's human nature, like there's yeah. so much creep from the professional level that gets down to the amateur level. Like that's just people end up playing tees that are farther back because, you know, they want to play, you know, a number that makes sense for them, but like is closer to the level that the tour players play at. Like it's just just human nature. It's unavoidable, really. Which it's so funny too. like like how many people have no idea. Like I like I would even raise my hand. I don't even know how far I hit the ball. I think it's, you know, right. it's it's probably 
you know, like the varies year, year and a half. It's, it's like, I hit the ball 20 yards shorter than I think I hit the ball. Right. I probably carry it 255, 250, 255. Oh, you carry it longer than that. No, but, and then it rolls out a little bit, but like, I probably hit the ball 270, 275. And, but if you asked me two years ago, how far you hit the ball? Oh, like 290, you know, 285, 290. It's like, all right, are we being real? Like, I think everything's relative. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Everything's relative. All this stuff feels, you know, everybody's got an outsized sense of their own game. So that, that placebo is going to, going to creep in here too. Of People are going to say, oh, well, you know, I used to hit the ball a lot, a lot farther than this role. It's like, no, actually, like if we were to compare the data, you you only lost this, but they're going to exaggerate it in their own head. Now I will say, I think that the, the USGA and the RNA could do a better job of like, let's agree on what the parameters are here of, Hey, what's the date? Like, all right, let's say we're going to look at historical driving distance data. Like going back to what's the problem that we're identifying. Cool. When did this problem start in earnest? When like, all right, all right if we're going to look at shot link data, or we're going to look at average driving distance on the PGA tour, how they used to measure it. How are we going to, when are we going to start that? What, when are we going to end that? Like, what's the sample size? What's the the date range there? And then we can drill down on cool. Like then, because I think right now it feels like they're like the tours wanting them to basically just pick something out of a hat of like, because they haven't basically said what's the, what's the desired outcome here, right? Like, what are we trying to solve for? And they're just saying, Hey, let's, let's pick five yards out of a hat. That feels like we're solving for we're arresting the the progress here and then we're you know staving off any future gains but how do we know that's the right number right like yeah, when, don't have a good yeah don't have a good sense of how they got to that be, sure because it feels like you know as far as the conversation goes it feels like anybody can just cherry pick it and say well yeah over the last 10 years gains are are you know driven by different factors right like maybe from 20 from 2005 to 2015 the gains were dictated by the longest players on tour getting a lot longer and maybe over the last eight to ten years the gains have been dictated by the by the mules by by the middle of the pack guys or or the shortest players raising their floor and getting longer and the longest players or getting replaced by longer guys exactly yeah because like there's so much noise in you know like let's let's figure out what the right data set is or what the right date range is and work off of that i feel like because because otherwise everybody has their own subjective reality here and there's no you know like we're all we're all talking about something different and there's so much noise that it's not even worth having the conversation uh lpga tour said the lpga is appreciative of the leadership and stewardship of the usga and the rna on a variety of topics within the game including today's announcement regarding the anticipated changes to the rules governing distance while we do not feel there is a distance issue in the women's game we recognize the need for the usga and rna to address complex challenges and endure the game's continued long-term growth success and sustainability I respect the hell out of that statement. I mean, it's look, it doesn't really affect us, but like they're the governing bodies and uh, they have the long-term growth, success and sustainability in mind versus PGA tour being like, ah, no, 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 we don't, we don't support the number. No, it doesn't work. And I I will say DP world tour basically had the same statement. They basically said, 
It was kind of cool, man. You make the rules. Was was basically there. Well, no, well I feel like, I feel like with the DP World Tour, it's like, yeah, cool. We'll check with our babysitter Jay, and then and then get back to you. We'll see what we'll see what Sound, our parents say. Sounds good. Would you like to buy our tour? <laughs> <laughs> PGA of America, real quick. We remain opposed to any change that may potentially lessen the enjoyment of the game for recreational golfers. Did honest question? Did Liv come out with a statement? Uh, yeah, they did those uh, those those things you could do at charity things where you can launch the ball like 400 yards and drive the green. They said those are now legal on the on the <laughs> encouraged. No, I have not seen a live statement yet. I, I think there's something to be said for again. They said this a lot in their golf channel appearances, but hashtag the process. I feel like if you had told me, you know, 10 years ago, like, hey, this they're going to fully roll back the golf ball for everybody. I would have expected the reaction, honestly, to be more hostile than it was today. I know we haven't seen, I don't th think there's been a Titleist response, but at the same time, Titleist has published all their responses to everything and on their website and nothing has really changed, you know, as far as like the areas of interest or what they're really looking at over the last however many years, they just kind of made a final decision. So maybe part of it is guys have kind of, you know, people have kind of punched their, punched themselves tired and, you know, they've said what they're going to say over the last, five or six years but at the same time like it is kind of wild to see a lot of the uh companies and organizations and whatever just making a point to say how much they are like oh you know what we've appreciated being a part of the a part of the process you kind of did it the way you said you were going to do it you you involved us the whole way you opened a lot of periods for comment which again going back to where we were with the usga what six seven years ago like when people just wanted to light the whole organization on fire, I, I think it is, it's a pretty marked change. So I, I would give a hat tip to, to a lot of that. Maybe listen, some of that might've been, we're following these protocols so that we don't get sued into oblivion. Uh, but nevertheless, at least to have the foresight, to have the protocols in place and, and really have that meeting, you know, whatever, 12 years ago now to kind of say like, here's exactly to the letter of the law, how we are going to do this when we eventually do it uh at least showed some some foresight which and i'm sure some of those companies like i know bridgestone callaway i haven't seen taylormade's thing but like bridgestone and callaway those are kind of like hey we will always actively participate but when a final decision is made we will abide by it like some of that's also with the ball like yeah we don't have market share and we are Let's pro upset. yeah disruption yeah, baby yeah we're pro you know going going any route we can go that that threatens Titleist's foothold on this, but I would probably say, like, I think if anything, though, like quality and performance, like especially you know non-distance performance, are probably going to be more outsized and more important with whatever new balls are like people come out with and trust of like knowing that hey, these guys have been making the best balls for a long time and they have the the market share, which I don't think is an accident, like. I would say, if anything, like, I, you know, if I'm Titleist, I don't think it's a it's a massive, massive threat to, you know, yeah, of course, like any sort of chaos or any sort of of market change is going to be a threat. But I don't think, like, I would I would bet on Titleist to come out with a a similar market share, you know, and bet on their confidence with a from patents to materials to processes to all that. Like, seems like they're pretty, uh, you know, having having uh toward the facility and you know it's been on a lot of calls with those guys i'm like yeah man like they're 
get their shit together. Again, and that's a big black box for a lot of people, myself included, but let me just remind people how wildly complicated all of that stuff is, right? <laughs> and like, there's a reason why they have excelled to this to this level. And yeah, it is extremely, extremely, extremely complicated uh, when you dive into the details on that. But yeah, and like, this is me editorializing on that front. But like, you know, if I'm them, I'm pretty confident in their abilities to, you know, create a ball that abides by whatever the new regulations are and do so that's best in class, you know? I think the only surprise from the, uh, kind of responses department today was Callaway kind of openly coming out and saying they would have preferred bifurcation. I think that was the only, which again, I, I think Mike Wan kind of spoke to this too, is like, you know, you can't just say capital M manufacturers and think that even that is one unified opinion. Like all of these companies, which all have like massive influence, like the, the master's champion, played a Callaway ball that they they have a pretty big role in this whole conversation like even they are on a wildly different page from everybody else and so if you're one and slumbers and trying to navigate all of those different opinions again that's where I go back to like the two piles and just I hear you and I'm I'm putting you in this stack I, I look at look at how tall it is we've got a lot to think about but look at how tall this stack is we got a lot of that to think about too you know it's just it's not an enviable job but it seems like they've done a pretty good job navigating it uh, a couple other questions we got that I, I we I feel like we've addressed a lot of the questions that were sent in as best as we possibly can. Um, the Lauf, the life Alpinus says uh, I might be Alpinus. I don't know what he's trying to go up for there, but uh, he says, "What courses, if any, might be available for tournament play again? Did distance really make any courses obsolete, or did it have more to do with logistics and sponsors?" I think this is going to be the most frustrating. Both. I think this is the most frustrating answer of the day, and Mike yeah, Wan was very open about this too he said there's a folder on my desk of courses that we are no longer able to go to because of distance stuff because of you know operational footprint stuff because of whatever it's like i really don't think that this moves any courses out of that folder into yep. the other folder all it does is try to slow down the rate that we're losing courses from going into that folder i would say yeah, the courses on the fringe yeah. are you know maybe like a lithium is kind of like oh are you in the rotor are you out of the rota like I think you and I'm like a Marion. Marion's been on the books for 2030 yeah. U.S. Open, which I think they've known there's going to that's going to be with a rollback golf ball for quite some time. But that like the Marion and Lytham would be the two in the category that I'm like this make these courses make sense to continue to play with a rollback ball. Otherwise, like I, I would I mean like Aronimic is going to stick out to me as far as PGA <laughs> and not getting in under the gun on that one. Like that's going to be. I don't. I still don't know how they're going to do that one because they tore it up, you know, like in 2018, and the ball's going to go farther in 2026 than it did in 2018. So, yeah. I th well, I think too. It's a. It keeps that folder from getting bigger, yeah. You know, demonstrably bigger, and then b. It probably. I think it may take some, you know, on the U.S. amateur side or, or with the AM or with you know the, I would say even the mid AM like certain courses that we're even risking falling by the wayside there or hey you got to put new tees in here to you know create shot value on these holes if you want to host this tournament like i think there's probably some in that camp right and can we also dismiss this the the narrative there of like the only thing driving this is like members of certain clubs that want to have big dick tournaments at their events or at their courses like it, that's just not what's going on here again most of these most of these clubs don't, don't want to have it. Yeah. i think a lot of it is people think that 
people like us or Andy or whoever are sitting around like, if they would only do this, then we could have the U.S. Open at Cypress Point. Like, I don't think we're saying that, man. I no. don't. Th I think we know that that's not the case. I think we just want to keep being able to go to like at least some of these courses, and we don't want them to all be. You know what? Not not to pick on anything, but we we went to PGA Frisco for uh, the NIT this year. That's what a modern golf course looks like, man. And if that's like the the direction that we're headed, I had a great time. I had a, you know, it was a very, very challenging golf course, maybe too challenging for me. But it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, my God, if this is what all of these things, places are going to have to look like if we keep going this way, that is not it, man. That You can't do that everywhere. They happen to have the space there to be able to do it. And that's more what I'm trying to get at here is like, yeah, you can't just like drop one of those in the middle of Chicago or New York or Boston or Florida or whatever like that. That's only possible in a couple of places. And Panther and National. It, Panther National was sweet. More on that to come. I actually I know you don't want to hear that, TC, but I, I don't. Know it's pretty cool. I'm so biased against it. <laughs> it's like, that's my thing. Like, like my bias is towards like good golf interesting golf whether to play or to watch or whatever whatever is going to make you know be helpful for that happening whether it's at existing courses or at new courses with variety with you know kind of interchangeability like it's not just driver 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 um you know and, and i think that that actually again going back to the skill set thing that actually favors like the guys that are actually better drivers of the golf ball benefit from this right like well, there's yeah another question from jay lukes i mean we kind of addressed this in some way but how does this affect the complete test of skill that you are always clamoring for doesn't this just put more of a premium on distance uh through fitness swing speed launch optimization uh since it will be harder to come by i i think yes there's a there's like there there's more of a emphasis put on distance yet at the same time more of an emphasis put on your ability to differentiate with like mid irons, right? Like that, that is also increasing, right? Like the value of hitting it far is still going to be there. Like it's still like the longer yeah. players will continue to have an advantage yet at the same time, like it's almost like how it works now. And this is reductive and exaggerated for the purpose of, of this statement is like, now you drive it so far, they end up with wedges and like, you just are not going to hit back. Like, you're not gonna hit bad shots with wedges again reductive like of course you are sometimes but like you almost can't screw it up from where a lot of these guys drive it to whereas now it's like there's still going to be a, a differentiating element of mid-iron approach shots you know with more frequently it's not going to be astronomical but it's more frequent and it's just that's just straight math of like you're going to see more seven irons than nine irons uh you know nine irons are going to become seven irons both through how far the ball is going to fly from them from that distance and the drive the uh, decreased driving distance off the tee which I wonder how noticeable that is to just an everyday fan, right? And I think that gets back to the is it is is this worth it conversation? Yeah. Uh because again, it it does slow the rate of increase. I I understand that, but I I'm almost thinking about like okay, we're wrapping up this podcast here. Like what's the what's the main takeaway from this? Part of it for me is just like honestly, if you're a golf fan or a recreational player, you probably don't really have that much to start thinking about until like mid 2029. <laughs> like, I don't think you're going to notice all that much on TV. I don't think it's really going to affect you all that much on your game. Golf ball companies are going to keep pumping out golf balls. Players are probably going to bitch about it and talk about how they're coming to take your guns. But really, I don't think there's much to worry about for like, I don't know, five years. 
And even then, of, you shouldn't be worried about it. Like, yeah, you should I would, not. Like, I don't, but I, I guess where I'm going with that in this context is like, I don't think you're going to notice. I'm not going to talk myself into like, you know, you're going to notice some big, massive change on the PJ Tour. I think it'll be incremental. I, I'm with you that like, with those guys live on the margins, anyways. And maybe there's a couple more guys that are, you know, do a little better each week. It's almost like, yeah, I mean, over like you'll see macro trends probably of guys that will probably have better seasons, but I don't know that you'll notice it constantly all the time. And if you talk to any caddy and player, like they, uh, we talked to Michael Kim about this a couple of weeks ago. Like a, a, an element of this that people have not talked about enough is like what like tour and professional golf setups have become. Like if you didn't see where they put the pins at Oak Hill, literally every player is like that's maxed out. You can't bury him anymore. Yeah. They call them three and threes. It's the minimum you can put on like from the front of the edge or the back edge and a left or right edge. And like they do that on repeat because guys are coming in with such high lofted clubs. That is the only way to challenge them is to tuck the pin in the hardest possible spot, which decreases aggressive and exciting golf. It makes people play more to the fat parts of greens. Whereas if you don't have to set up a course with three and threes all over the place, there's going to be built in more variety in the approach shots from farther away. In theory, there's just more value. Like I, I, Again, that's not going to be like, oh my gosh, people are going to be lining up at the gates to watch these six irons come into this. People aren't even going to believe how exciting this is. But it is just a more interesting product than a dark contest. For the top-rated players in the world, I think you're going to be able to identify better who who these guys are. And I think that there's a ton of value in that. I think the stars will be able to separate themselves out just a little bit better. It's not This is not monumental, but it is worth doing. That's That's my humble opinion. I don't know if we accomplished... What we set out to accomplish with this episode, like I, I, I know this is what many people would call an echo chamber. I promise we've listened as hard as we can to a lot of debates. I'm happy to have Brandel back on if he'll return my 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 text from the last couple of years that you know we could do this again. Uh, if there's other suggestions, you know, if, if of people that will do like a genuine, like not did not disingenuous impression <laughs> of a debater on the on the on the show, we're happy to have them on and discuss, you know, how why they feel passionately the other way, but. Um, Man, I don't know. It's just logic. I feel like my my logic has led me to where I believe things. I think other people uh, te- can have other influences in there to make them kind of reach for the conclusion that they uh, that they've reached. But that's just my opinion. Anything else? I'm so excited to just get this conversation over with, so we can get back to talking about the real stuff in golf that matters, like the tour going to all their, you know. <laughs> tournament directors and title sponsors and saying we need more money you can't give as much money to charity we want more of a revenue share you got to prop up these bigger purses you got to find 150 million dollars somewhere that's that's what we need to be talking about more can i totally looping back to something we said earlier again i don't want i'm i'm the takeaway from this if the takeaway from this is you're an idiot because you didn't go read the 115 page distance insights report like I think we're probably doing this wrong, right? Yeah. If I'm if I'm a very casual yes, golf fan, it's not your job. I'm, I'm looking at the whole landscape right now. You know, it would be a pretty easy conclusion to come to is like those fucking guys that I keep hearing about wanting more money and more influence, and now they're taking money from charity, and now they're threatening to go to other leagues. Those are the guys that are like forcing me to essentially lose five, seven, <laughs> ten yards. Like, fuck that. That's fuck really those cool. guys is like, yo, I'm not talking you off that opinion. That is 
that is a very, very good conclusion to come to. And, you know, I think it's a little more nuanced than that, but if you want to talk about it, but uh, I, I fully support you in, in that, uh, in that conversation. I think that's only going to get worse as the what did James Hahn and Chris Stroud think about distance? That's Stroud, now? Stroud. You're going to do this now. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Right also, like to get into live. Right as I'm trying to, right as I'm trying to get in this promotions event, you're going to do this now. Uh, if your your job is not to cover golf, I wouldn't have expected you'd read the hundred page, you know, distance report and understand all the elements of that. That's why hopefully you hopefully you view us as a trusted resource on this, and we both both read, read and do the research and give you our opinion on it. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with us necessarily, but uh, you know, hopefully you learned a little bit in the process. If that if we furthered your your uh, your belief that nothing should be done, that's also fine. I mean, it's 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 a reasonable. Depends on what your logic is, but there can be a reasonable way of reaching that conclusion. I really do think so. So, yeah. Here, here. Any ROM stuff we want to add in before we go? I think it's really quiet right now. Everything's just kind of as of I don't recording know if Jay it. This met is with Yasser yet? Three fifty yeah. p.m. on Wednesday, as we as we know. I would have thought it would have been announced by now that he's going. I mean. Literally every sign seems to be still pointing this direction. We cover this in much greater detail and all the effects of this on, on Sunday. Now we're just kind of waiting for it to drop, but it still has me very confused. The whole thing not adding up, but I don't have anything additional to say that I didn't say on Sunday. I do. I do have a mea culpa. The Niblix actually turned into the range goats and punch turned into Ripper. I said uh, on Sunday's pod that punch turned into the range goats and the Niblix turned into Ripper. I got my, Thank you. My genealogies mixed up there. <laughs> Thank you, TC. <laughs> and up. Uh, I also thought Adam Bland was Richard Bland on the pod uh, last week, and I will apologize for that. That's that big of you. It was not, Thank you. not Blandy that was down there, the Australian Open. So. You were, you were, you said it was a compliment, but you you were being derisive towards, no, towards my all. guy Blandy, That's saying that Blocky tied him. No, it's an honor to have tied a top 20 finisher with the PGA Championship. So, what is what does Blocky think about rollback? Uh, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired on a lot of different levels. This is, uh, I don't even know if Blocky's playing the ball he says he's playing, let alone. <laughs> I would just encourage people to go follow that thread. Uh, we'll just leave that there, I guess. All right. Yeah. If you made an hour 45 into this, you deserve that nugget. So I feel, I feel like we've already talked about that. I think we have. Okay. I think we have. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'll allow me to wrap it, I think that's it for today. Um, hopefully have an interview with some key uh, folks from this uh, decision tree later this week. Um, and we will uh, attempt to get in more in color inform and information on this as we uh, continue to work through it. I'm sure this will not be the last time we discuss it. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in and trusting us with uh, with where you turn for discussion on this and making it this far into the show. And Deej and TC for all the research and efforts that went into today's episode and we look forward to everyone agreeing with us completely T tc i need you on the record what team's rom going to i think they're going to give him the cliques i really do i thought he's getting his own team isn't that like no i know the well there's two teams that aren't owned <laughs> right, right but now. i think like a new team i thought it was going to be like well, i think the reason team? they i think the reason that they the have raid? two teams that aren't owned right now is because yeah. they could give those to someone and then mm -hmm. you know switch some guys around so maybe Blandy would go then to the, you know, Ripper or something like that. Gosh, it's Kenny Lofton. Just getting passed around. Blandy turned into a massive, great, immaculate, great guy. <laughs> do, they, do they have a spot for Sevi on this team? Do they, do they hold one? <laughs> They're holding one question. spot. They're holding one spot. 
Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, Savvy might be the captain, right? <laughs> the, he's the fifth man, not the thirteenth <laughs> yeah. man. So, uh, God, I gotta go get my hands on some ghost balls. You know, some some balls that are are, you know, painted uh, a certain way so that they look they look legal, but they're not. I do want to point out the last person we haven't made fun of in the, on this pod is the person <laughs> say, what am I supposed to do with all these golf balls? That I have? <laughs> Who has six more years to, <laughs> to use them. And, uh, you know, if you're buying golf balls, six, seven years in advance, then I, I, I think you, you got to own what you're getting here. Uh, all right. The hoarding process starts right now. These guys are going to be worth millions in the 2030s. You don't even know. So, all right, that's a wrap. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you back here on Sunday. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.